We have gone over confession, we have gone over forgiveness, we have gone over rest, and last week we went over trust. And today I want to talk to you about a completely different thing that all of these can feed themselves into, a way that we communicate with each other. But before we do that, I want to show you a small piece of one of my favorite movies in all the world. It's called School of Rock. How many of you are familiar with this movie? Yeah? Yes? That, yeah, what? Okay. Uh, I, I'm probably one of the few people on this earth who are entertained by Jack Black. I don't know. There's a lot of people. Thank you. There's a lot of, oh, there's a few of us. Crazy, insane. There's a lot of us. It's unbelievable. In this movie, I got to tell you, in this movie, let me set the premise. If you haven't seen it, you need to go rent it because it's really good. It's a tearjerker, really. It'll make you cry at the end. Your family will grow closer. This is like a focus on the family moment right here. <clears throat> but here's, here's, here's what happens. He takes over, in a very bad way, a job, which is a teaching job. And this is the first day in his first interaction with his students. Watch this. Are you going to teach us anything, or are we just going to sit here? Just do whatever you want. I want to learn from my teacher. Besides that. Freddie, what do you like to do? I don't know. Burn stuff? Just go out and have recess. My parents don't spend $15,000 a year for recess. What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right, here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, well, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins. She's the man. And the man... Ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome, because the man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crush your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! Today we're going to talk about encouragement. Jeez. And that's a calm moment for Jack Black, right? All of us have conversations. All of us have a circle of people that we live life with. For a lot of us, we think about our wives, we may think about our children, uh, but really your circle of influence goes way beyond that. And so today, what I want to introduce to you are really three levels of influence that you have in your life. Three areas 
where you have physical and emotional and even spiritual contact with the people that are around you. And then I want to read with you some scripture that teaches us how we should communicate, how we should live in a life of encouragement and, and not a life of criticism or cynicism. You with me? You with me? All right, here we go. We're going to look. It's the fart chairs. Just ignore them. We're going to look at three circles. I'm sorry if the F word is a bad word in your house. It's not in my house, so just ignore that one. We have, we're going to look at this as like a target, right? And the bullseye of that target is called your inner circle, or what I call your intimate circle. And those are the relationships where you're really intimate. Those are the people that you really are able to get vulnerable with. Those are the people who really know who you are. They know the things that make you tick, and they know the things that tick you off. You with me? That circle in your life is going to be a pretty small circle, right? You're going to have very few people in your life that you really open your soul to. Very few people in your life that you really express the kind of things inside of your heart, especially on a spiritual basis, that you allow people to see in you. Because truthfully, we are so scared of how we're going to get judged of what people are going to think about us, because we've been raised in a society that says one specific truth, and that is that everything is for you, right? And everything should make you feel good. And everything should make you feel better about your place in society. And we even disturb and distort our Christian faith for you to think that way, for you to think that God is, you know, for you. That if you would just love God you would make God feel great, right? When the truth of the matter is God is not dependent on you. Okay? Here, here's a simple truth that you can take home with you, and you learned this at One Love Church today. You ready for this? God does not need you. Amen. All right? But God loves you. We, we, have, a, we have a simple way that we can read this in Scripture, and we even have a nice little simple song that explains this to us all. You know what it says? Because he first loved us. Not because you were cool enough to decide to follow him, but because he first loved us. And so it sets a standard for the rest of our lives. If you really follow Scripture, what you understand is this. God has prepared for you a life that he wants to give you because he loves you. It's not because you've done anything right, because most of the time you're going to do it wrong, but it's because he loves you. And oh, how we love him. I listened to the worship today. Yes, for once. I almost turned it off because of that first song, but I stayed. The Gottman Institute put out a study, and if you're not familiar with the Gottman Institute, the Gottman Institute really studies uh, what, what our conversations are like and how we communicate with each other, and really on the basis of marriage and how husbands and wives and really how parents and children study. But I found their findings could really spread across all the relationships, right, especially that first intimate inner circle that we just really talked about. And what they said was this. In all of your interactions, in all of our interactions, 
for every one encouraging comment, for every one time that you smile at somebody, there are six critical comments. For every one encouraging comment, there are six critical comments. Now, your critical comment may be, may be eyes rolling into the back of your head, right? But I can read you. I know what you're trying to say. Or your critical comment may be disguised as a joke. But what's still saying is a little truth in every joke, right? So for every one encouraging comment, there are six critical. Now, you say to yourself, that's okay, because my circle of influence really is pretty small, right? That intimate circle. Well, what I want to suggest to you are there's another circle outside of that that I actually call the circle of influence. And those are the people that you can say or act a certain way or joke about something in a certain way. And those are the people that you can actually influence their moment in life. You can influence their day. You can influence how they're going to interact with certain people. And you don't even realize it a lot of the time because the major part of our circle of influence in society today is all online. Right? I can post something on my little Facebook, and it can reach more people in my day than I've ever been able to do in the past. So my circle of influence has boomed because of Twitter and Facebook and all those other little social media sites, right? So now all those things that I can post into the world, that I can send out as a message from me, from my place, from my spirit, from who I am, these are the things, no matter if you're joking or not, that you put on those places these are the ways that I'm going to influence the people that are around me. Because they're going to see those things, they're going to read those things, and they're going to reach beyond even the people who are in your little friend network. You know what I mean? Because you let people into your life, some of us, let people onto those Facebooks and Twitters and all that kind of stuff, they don't even know us. But we're willing to throw out our belief system on these little things and completely influence the people that are around us. It even goes beyond that. Because there's a third circle out there that's called the circle of life. And those are the people that you encounter on a daily basis. Those are the people at your supermarket. Maybe you go to the same gas station every week. Um, maybe you go to the same coffee shop every week. But you have a circle of life. Those are people that you're going to run into on a daily basis. And you may not know their name, but you know them. You know what I mean? If you saw them on a the sidewalk, you would say to yourself, Oh, that's my Dairy Mart lady. You know what I mean? So in all those opportunities, you have one encouragement thing to six critical things. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, is our principle for today. This is the thing that we're going to examine our hearts toward. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Now, if you don't know about Proverbs, what you need to know is this. Solomon is the man who has suggested that is the author of most of these Proverbs, right? And Solomon is the man who prayed to God and asked for what? Anybody know? Wisdom, right? And you know what God said? <laughs> okay, dude, if you think you can handle it. And so he gave it to Solomon. Now, Solomon's life is, is an awesome thing to read. But part of what he did is he began to write down some of these truths, and we call them Proverbs, and this is one of them. He says this, he who refreshes will himself be refreshed. He who refreshes will himself be refreshed. Another way to say this in the New American Standard says this. He who replenishes will himself be replenished. 
Now let's go back to your circle of influence. How many of the people in your circle of influence, how many of the people in your intimacy circle, in your influential circle, and in your circle of life, how many of those people do you replenish? How many of those people do you have a ratio of six to one instead of a ratio of one to six? Let me expand it a little bit. How many people in this community does our church have a ratio of six to one with instead of a ratio of one to six? Do you see where this is going? Your circle of influence or your circle of what we're going to call now encouragement instead of being critical, a smile instead of looking at the sidewalk, those brief moments of interaction with everyone that you're going to encounter are huge moments. And let me tell you why. Because we have a false belief that the Bible is what is going to bring people to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not telling you it doesn't happen because it does. But do you want to know the tool that God set out there for it to happen with? You. You. And as long as you believe the lie that the world has pumped into your heart since the day you were born, the, the lie that says that everything should benefit you, that every interaction you have should make you better, that every person you deal with should somehow feel your spirit, and if it doesn't, then you need to reject those relationships. As long as you carry that notion and your quotia is going to be one to six, as long as you have one positive comment to say to people for every six comments of criticism that you say to people, you will never, we as a church will never interact with and reach the people for Jesus Christ that God is pouring into our circle of influence. Are you following me? This is one of the greatest truths in scripture, and I'm going to pull it out for you. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 says this. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Now, who's Paul writing this to? He's writing this to those little baby disciples, right? To the, to the early churches, especially here to the church in Corinth. And he's saying this. You show that you are a letter from Christ. You are the result of our ministry. Written not with what? Ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but where? On tablets of the human heart. You show that you are a letter from Christ. Now, if you are the letter from Christ, if you are the disciples of Jesus Christ, if you are the Spirit of God that is being poured into the world, if you are the one that God is giving the seed to be planted in their spiritual life so that he can therefore flourish that and give them abundant growth from that. If you are that moment, how are you doing? How are you doing? Where are you on the one to six ratio? Where are you with your circle of influence? This is a tough question to ask. It's a tough question for me to answer. Because truthfully, what's happened, and let me tell you, it's ingrained in us for you to believe. 
even in the smallest of relationships, let's look at the smallest relationship, your relationship that you have on any typical day with any typical waitress who comes to your table. In that brief moment, that woman becomes what to you? She becomes your slave. Let's be honest. If she doesn't present to you exactly the way that you think she should, what do you do? You become critical immediately. She is no longer a human being. She is now your servant because you control the tip. Right? Now let me tell you something. We laugh about it, but it's true. And it becomes how we live life in all other different facets. Everyone who serves me should serve me. Everyone who is under me or below me, if I am a manager, if I have a supervision, per, uh, uh, supervision position in my job, and I've got people who work underneath me, then guess what they do? They serve me. And power becomes authority. And power becomes this spiritual growth in my life. And I live off of it. And I can't get enough of it. And for me to, for a second, put myself on their level, when they didn't get the education that I've got, or they didn't take the time to do the things that I have to, had to do to get to where I am. There are moments in your life where you're going to be tested in a way that you don't even recognize or realize. Because to you, it's normal. This is just how we do life. So I don't feel guilty when I'm mean to the waitress. Because my dad was mean to the waitress, and my grandpa was mean to the waitress, and my grandpa's dad was mean to the waitress. And it's just how life works, right? It's just how we do things, right? And so now for you to tell me that I should be the servant of the waitress, you're insane. <laughs> you're crazy. But if I'm really going to go by this scripture, honey, if you could put that back up. If I'm really going to go by this scripture that shows that I am the letter of Christ, I am the result of this ministry, right? You are all becoming disciples of Jesus Christ in this ministry. So you are a result of the ministry of One Love Church and what God has poured in in this moment. So now, let me ask you a question. What kind of people do you want in your life? What kind of people get to take the place in the inner circles of your life? I don't want to be in the circle of life out here, right? I want to be in the level of influence, or I want to be in your intimate circle. How do I get there? Well, let me tell you where it's not. It's not in being critical. Because you know where I put critical people in my circles of life? <sighs> out here. I want people living life with me who encourage me, who teach me, who aren't afraid to get dirty with me, who aren't afraid to understand where I am right now. I want people who live life with me, who support me, who replenish me. And if you're not going to be one of those people, guess where I put you? Oh, you're still in my life, but you just got pushed out of level. And every time you come to me and you're critical, you get pushed out of level. So what happens? What happens is we develop a church in this country who is critical of people. And when you're critical, what do you birth? Critical. When you replenish, what do you birth? Replenishers. So if we are a church that replenishes people, where do people want us to be in their life? In an inner circle. You with me? If we are a church that is constantly critical of where people are in their lives, where do people want to put us? 
on the outside. Do you understand now why society hates the church? Because we are critical. Because we stand on our platform with our bullhorn and we say, you do everything wrong. You live life wrong. You talk to people wrong. You, you smoke and drink and sin and curse and blah, 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 blah. If you would just be like us, you'd be okay. Right? Now, now here's the truth of the matter. Here's the truth of the matter. What if we as a church went to people and we said this? Hey, listen. I know you think you messed up, but you, you haven't messed up like I've messed up. But here's the difference. I have a God that forgives me. And I have found a peace that you're searching for. And I can show you how to get it. A replenishing spirit gets replenished. A church that invests and replenishes finds people who will replenish back into the church. In Acts chapter 2, that church boomed and and blossomed, and, and God sent to them people daily who were looking for what they had. And do you know what they had? Replenishers. Read it. Acts chapter 2. When people needed a shirt, do you know what they gave them? A shirt. Did they give them a shirt and conviction because they can't find their own shirt? When people needed a drink of water, do you know what they gave them in Acts chapter 2? Hold on. Water. (laughs) Did they give them water in a guilt trip because they can't dig their own well? When people... In Acts chapter 2, needed food. Do you know what the church did? The church didn't just give them food. Here's the cool part. The church threw a party and had all those people into their home and fed them and took care of them and sent them out nourished. Guess who wants to be a part of that? Because I don't want to be a part of something that criticizes me and pushes me out. I want to be a part of something that nourishes me and sends me equipped and ready and prepared. You follow me? You want to be the letter of Jesus Christ into this community. You're going to have to learn all of these life apps that we've been talking about. We have to learn how to forgive We have to learn how to truly confess of things in our life. We have to learn what it means to rest. Because you can't spiritually get right if you're not physically right. We have to understand what it really means to trust people. And tear down those walls where we won't allow ourselves to be vulnerable with people. And and finally, you're going to have to learn how to encourage and be a replenisher, and not someone who's just critical and ready to tear down anything that's not the way I like it to be. <clears throat> our church, as, as Brett said to you earlier, our church stands on a belief system that goes all the way back to the moment that God sent his disciples into the world. And Jesus said one thing, and it was insane. Go into the world and do what? Make disciples, right? How do we do that? How do we do that? I'm going to tell you how we do that. We do that first and foremost in what Jesus said in Matthew. By loving 
people by loving God and understanding that everything else in this world, even those things that maybe churches you've gone to for a long time have told you are so significant that you need to change behaviors and change everything else to follow these sets of rules. Everything else in your life will be encompassed into those things. You'll get everything else right if you know how to love God and love people. Everything else will fall into place, I promise you. Jesus said it. Now this ain't Brad chapter 2. This is Jesus. Everything else will fall into place if you learn how to love God and to love people. How do we do that? We apply these five things into our hearts. We apply. We make them apps. They become applicable in the way I live my life. They're not the treadmill we buy and we put in the corner and wonder why we're not losing weight. But they become applicable in our life. You with me? If we want to, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 3, show that we are a letter from Christ, we are a result of Jesus' ministry, we are not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Church, that's, that's what I want to be. That's the influence in society that I believe Jesus has always desired. But let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be called a fool. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mocked. Right? I've already been called a hippie pastor in a hippie church. Right? Trust me, i got to tell you all right now, I am far from hippie. Right? I have a belly that sticks out underneath a shirt that is far too short for me. But let me tell you this. If by hippie you mean that I know that through love we can influence this community for Jesus Christ, then you can call me a hippie if you want to. And if by hippie church you mean that we're a community of believers that believes in stepping out and moving beyond these walls and getting into this community and helping people like we're doing on that Christmas tree or helping people like Sam led us in and the leaf raking last week and all of these things, you want to call us a hippie church for doing that stuff, then by all means, let's be a hippie church because I believe that that's exactly what God is calling us to do and it's exactly what we need to be. And if we can be the spirit of the living God, a reflection of what Jesus is in our lives and other people's lives, then I know and I believe that God will add to this church daily people who are looking to be replenished by the people in this church who are replenishers, not critical people. You follow me? Stand with me. Church, what if we begin to see ourselves as encouraging people? What if we begin to live like an encouraging church? What if we as a church really understand what it means to forgive? What if we as a church really understand what it means to confess? What if we as a church understand what it means to trust? Let me tell you something. Please understand, by, that, by no means does the scripture say that if you follow everything that Jesus tells you to follow, then your life's going to be full of sunshine and rainbows. Because that's not what happens. And those of you who are disciples of Jesus Christ know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus never promised you 
complete happiness. But I'll tell you what he did promise you, abundant life. There's a difference. And mature, prospering Christians know what that difference is. You know what it is? It's freedom. It's freedom from a society that tells you you got to live a certain way. It's freedom from influences that tell you that you don't look right or fit right or feel right. It's an understanding that God has created you so that he can pour love into you. Not so that you can do anything for him. So church, let me ask you this. Examine yourselves this week. Examine the parts of your ministry this week. Examine your intimate circle. Examine your influential circle. And examine your life circle. And find those people, and it may be a lot of them. Find the people that you have a one to six ratio and make that a six to one ratio. I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy when you grow up and it's normal for you to be critical. It's not easy when you grow up in a family like I did where criticism is covered up by comedy. It's not easy to grow up in a society that tells you that everything should fit you and be right for you and make you feel cozy. And if it doesn't, then get rid of it. Or any person should make your life easier, and if they don't, then get rid of them. But I promise you this. If you can influence society the way that God has intended you to influence society, if you will give a smile when 99% of the people don't even look a person in the eyes. I'm going to tell you a quick story. If you ever go to El Toro, how many of you go to El Toro? Let me tell you something about me that you probably know by now because half my illustrations are about El Toro. I am addicted to El Toro, right? If, if, when, if they do an autopsy on me one day, it's going to be ground beef and cheddar cheese and tortillas, right? And York peppermint patties that are a quarter on your way out. But let me tell you a short story about what happened at El Toro, because it broke my heart. I loved it. You can ask my wife. I talk about it all the time. Here's what happened. There's this sweet little old uh, woman at the, at the front of El Toro when you walk into the door, and she always asks, how many? And I say, four. And she always leaves, right? And that's my moment with her. That's all I've had. Now, mind you, anything you think you're addicted to, it's nothing compared to my addiction to El Toro. So I see this woman two, two times a week at least. And I tell her every time I see her, nothing. And I don't smile. And I barely even look at her because literally I walk in the door and I go, four. <laughs> right? And we're heading to the table. Well, let me tell you what happened a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago we were walking in and the lady in front of me, I actually watched her hug this lady and say, welcome to El Toro. Come on in. And I'm behind her and I'm going, I know I spend 10 times more money than this woman. I don't get a hug. So she sat there and she came back and I called her on it. I said, hey, listen, I, I'm not trying to be difficult, but I would like a hug. She gets a hug. I know you know me better than you know her. Why don't I get a hug? She laughed and she smiled and everything else. Do you know now that every time I go to El Toro, do you know what she does? She smiles and looks. Now, I ain't got a hug yet. But she says, hello, and she smiles. 
And she seats us in like good seats now that the springs still work. But let me tell you what happened. Because for a, for a moment, and even for me it was accidentally, I no longer treated her like my servant. She became for me in this one little moment a friend, a small friend, a friend who I don't even know her name and she doesn't know mine, but you know what? She's in my circle of life. And I greeted her as if I have some sort of influence over her. And guess what? I do. I have influence over that small moment when I have a little bit of interaction with her. And will that ever lead to her accepting Jesus Christ as a personal Savior? I have no idea. She could be a Christian. I have no clue. But I know this. I'm a whole lot closer today than I was two weeks ago. How many people in your life do you encounter? Does God put in your life over and over again? And you keep saying to yourself, I see that dude everywhere. How many people is God presenting in your life? Let me ask you this. Notice them. See them. Appreciate them. Encourage them. And replenish them. No matter what it costs you. If it costs you two minutes of your day, spend it. It's worth it. And if we can do that as a church, God will give to us daily. People who want to be replenished. Who need to be replenished. Who need to feel Jesus. Who need to know that love like we know that love. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for everyone in my life. I thank you, Father, for my circle of influence. And I pray, God, that in these moments, that, Father, you would bring more. That, God, you would smack me in the head when I am critical. That, Father, you would open the door for me to be encouraging. Father, to appreciate and to love Father, instead of letting my heart grow cynical and to expect the worst, but that, God, I would know and I would trust and I would believe that you are in every part of my life, that you hold me in a way that this world can never hold me, that you defend me in a way that this world can never defend me, that, Father, you protect my family and you protect my heart. And so that, God, I am unafraid of being vulnerable. God, I am unafraid of showing love. Father, I am unafraid of stepping out there when no one else will, of treating people like people. God, I love you. I worship you. Father, may you pour into me your teaching. May I become the disciple that you have created me to be. May I love you abundantly and be able to express to you what you mean to me. And God, that I may love people. And those people that you have put in my path, Father, I thank you. God, I worship you. God, may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.